Welcome, friends, to episode five of Quest Rewind, where for the past couple of weeks, we've traveled back to the 90s and talked about the Nintendo 64 from the birth. So everything leading up to the eventual launch, all the way to the actual launch itself with two whopping games, including, obviously, we talked about Super Mario uh, 64, the games that came out within its first 12 months, which is very interesting to look at, especially considering some Super Nintendo games were still coming out after the release of the Nintendo 64. And then we traveled back to modern times to 2021 and talked about the legacy piece. In a time where uh, these games are available now, at least some of them, on the Nintendo Switch, there's definitely a lot of clamor, love, and nostalgia for this classic console. So in this episode, we thought, why not end this five-episode uh, series by talking about one of the top 10 selling games for the console, which is going to be Star Fox 64 with yours truly. My name is Juan from Puerto Rico. I'm Ryan from Boston. And I'm Keith the Bearcat Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Okay. D- does the bear cat know how to fly, though? Does a bear or a cat know how to fly? <laughs> I mean, you got the nine lives with the cat. Not sure about the bear, though. So it kind of balances itself out. Sure. Maybe in one of those lives, I'll learn how to fly. <laughs> maybe. So maybe. Before, but... before we continue, I feel like we need to do a bit of housework here, right? We've, we've been yeah. ho- a housekeeping, not housework. That's for later after this episode. But exactly. We're going on... We have these series of episodes, these little seasons where we delve into a specific topic, this being the N64 for our first series. These need to be called quests, right? Like, we're Quest Rewind. So, we're, we're about to finish our N64 quest here with a review of Star Fox 64. Can, 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 we, can we agree on yeah, that Yeah, we can say the forward? adventure's about to conclude. I think we can yeah. acknowledge it. Exactly. What, is our, what is our reward? What, how much experience exactly. are we getting for this? Do we get to do uh, you like get a new the game experience plus? of Star Fox 64 and That's the time true. that you spent with it. I mean, that, that, that is true. That, that's not a bad quest, though. And, and for those, Some say uh, uh, the real quest was the friends we made along the way. That's and so the beautiful. Bear cat. I may cry. I may cry. And uh, yeah, like it's been really cool. And we'll talk about this at the end of this episode to just create an experience. Like I've actually gone back and listened to a couple of the episodes because we record them in batches, right? And it's very interesting how one really leads up to another. And as somebody that loves to binge like Netflix series every now and then, we truly hope that everybody's been enjoying it. And if you have, like, please head over to Twitter at Quest Rewind and uh, let us know. Also in the description, if you're checking this out on Spotify, Stitch or anything like that, you can actually check out the uh, link for the Discord. And there's a really great, passionate retro gaming community over there. So uh, go and check that out. And now, guys... I feel like before we actually talk about Star Fox 64 itself, we got to talk a little bit about Star Fox in itself as as far as the first time that we saw it. And I think I can't be the only one that I was freaked the hell out when I saw the box art for the damn Super Nintendo game. Because it's like, it's a, it's a fox, but it's not. It's like real. It wasn't animated. <laughs> it legit freaked me out as a kid. Was I the only one? Maybe. I thought damn. it kind of looked cool. No, it was freaky. Yeah, it, no, I'm with you on this one, Juan. That nightmare anthropomorphic fox thing that was on the box for it, that it kind of was like puppetish, like Chuck E. Cheese puppetish. I was going to say, it, it does kind of remind me of like a Chuck E. Cheese character. 
Maybe that was also that what time, they were going I for. I kind of like Chuck E. Cheese, so maybe that's and why if I you thought think it was about it, into it. it. It makes a little bit of sense because when you look at the casting, I don't think Star Fox maybe became as popular as they thought it would. But when you look at N64, it's like you have a cast that could totally be in like a Chuck E. Cheese. And the first game you came out in... You Slippy on the drums on that, that weird Chuck E. Cheese stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Traveling back to 93, that's when the first game came out. It's worth saying first game because it's this is like a this is maybe the only exception where the sequel to the first game came out after well, after like the third game and, and like the, the 3DS one and all that and Star Fox 2, which was being developed for the Super Nintendo. It didn't come out because they really wanted to just save any future stuff with N64, which I think in hindsight was great. But just remembering what the original game looked like, I never actually played it back in the day. I played it years after an emulation. Did you guys have any experience or any any reaction to how that first game looked like and its early 3D stuff? No, I was in the same boat as you that, like, I had a Nintendo as a kid, but I just completely missed Star Fox. Like, the first time I played a Star Fox, I knew it existed, but I didn't actually play the game until it was available on like Nintendo Switch Online, the Super Nintendo aspect of it. So I kind of had like an idea of what it looked like, but I didn't really know until I sat down and played it. And boy, I give them credit for pushing the Super Nintendo as hard as they did (laughs) with that first Star Fox game. I was not really aware of Star Fox until Star Fox 64. I think that's when a lot more people became aware of it and a lot more people were into that game versus the Super Nintendo one. Before I played 64 for this for this episode, I did hop on my Switch and check out Star Fox for the Super Nintendo and I couldn't even get through the first level of the game. I was it's just rough. like this is brutal. The fra- it feels like it's moving at 5 frames a second. It's it's yikes. You I'm, can almost, I'm amazed that thing ran on a I Super Nintendo. I couldn't even really <laughs> distinguish who was an enemy and who was an ally. It was it's just really all polygons. Bad. That it, mode it's 7, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's something that because I didn't play back in the day, when I first played it via emulation, I thought the emulator was broken. I'm like, oh, okay. The, 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 this can't be how it actually was. And I went on YouTube, saw gameplay. I'm like, holy crap. But I do think it's a very interesting concept because... For anybody that didn't, that wasn't sold on 3D gaming, you could be like, here's Star Fox on the Super Nintendo, here's Star Fox on the Nintendo 64. I I think that's going to sell you on that. That was like an interesting comparison, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's night and day with those, with those two games, really. If you ever want to feel like N64's graphics are amazing... Play play Starbucks for <laughs> oh, Super yeah. Nintendo and then immediately go to the N64 version and you'll be like, oh, this is the most beautiful sight I have ever seen. Yeah, but you got to give them credit for trying with Star Fox 1. And if you've never played it, I still think it's worth checking out that first level, mostly because it has the best level music of any game ever, in my opinion. That Star Fox 1 uh, first it's level. It's so good. It slaps so hard.
And we'll, we'll be talking about the soundtrack even in, in this game. And for context, once again, it's like 1993 for the uh, original game. Now we're traveling over to April 1997 for Star Fox 64. And I think this game is is like super relevant now in a time where in modern gaming, people always ask like, oh, this game is six hours long, only six hours long. It's not worth it, right? You can look at Metroid Dread. And when that game came out, people's complaint is this game's not worth 60 because it doesn't last 40 hours. Yet you go back to 97. And I mean, this is one of the shortest games of all time, just as far as like on average, the game takes two hours to beat. This is according to howlongtobeat.com. And it is one of the top 10 selling games for the console. What's interesting here too is like the three of us were really going in, me having been the only one that beat it back in the day, which is not saying much because I mean, the, the game is like less than two hours, right? But either one of you, let's start maybe with uh, Keith, knowing about it, but finally getting a chance to sit down and play it. what you think of it? I actually really enjoyed my time with Star Fox overall. I um when when we sit down and do these reviews, I try and think of it in almost two frames of mind. Like what would 1996 Keith think of this and then what does 2021 Keith think of this? And having played it now, I'm amazed I didn't play it back in the day cuz I feel like I would have fallen in love with it because these days most of my favorite games are those run-based games, those ones that go like, "Oh, it only takes 2 hours to beat, but you can play it multiple times and have different runs and different experiences and I feel like this and the original Star Fox are some of the first mainstream examples of that so I feel like I would have loved it back in the day and honestly have no idea why I didn't play it and with the exception of a few things that we'll touch in this episode I overall enjoyed my time with Star Fox 64. I you know I I had a good time with it the kind of space shooter type game is not exactly my favorite genre, but I did enjoy my time with it. I'm pretty bad at the game, so it was a, it was a little rough. I basically probably ended up in the, the route where you have to do the least amount of work because I wasn't able to accomplish anything until like the end <laughs> of the game. Basically, I wasn't able to like stop a bomb from exploding or any of that stuff. So, yeah, I could see myself if I was a kid and this was one of the games I owned, I could see myself like really sinking my teeth into it and wanting to see all the different paths you could take. But nowadays, I'd probably be happy to, you know, play through one route, maybe try to do a different one and then, you know, basically call it a day. But, you know, I I enjoyed it, but it's not something I see myself going back to again and again. And for those that haven't played it, as Keith mentioned, I think that this game is like super relevant as far as mobile gaming now, because it's a rail shooter. So the whole concept is you don't have to worry about moving up to a point, because in some parts of the game you do, but generally speaking, you're always going forward. So it's about the decisions of, do you go left? Do you go right? Do you miss something? And that eventually leads to multiple paths. So this is a great example of a game that it is meant to be replayed. The whole concept is you're going to breeze through this game, even at your worst, like it, it's a rare occurrence where I think whether you're bad or good, unless your ship gets destroyed and you have to rest- restart the mission, Which the average playtime is going to be the same. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yep. yeah. Especially like towards the end, like some of those later stages, especially when you have enemies behind you. But oh, yeah. 
I, I, I am, I'm surprised at how much I still enjoyed it because I remember, I remember as a kid, I played it and I was blown away by so many of its presentations, like the music, uh, Keith wanted to talk about the uh, voice acting, we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. And it's one of those games where you're so afraid to play it now. I think the one knock against it, and this is no surprise, is it's very difficult to control. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I did play via emulation for context, but with an N64 controller. So I tried to have the most authentic experience. But even then, I, I forgot how twitchy it felt. I feel like I can move around, but damn, it's sometimes hard to get that specific angle. I basically spam the fire button. You know how you can power up and it does the auto aim? Oh, Once yeah, I remember yeah. that, I'm like, dude, I'm just going to spam that as much as I can. What <laughs> I about tried you guys my best to whole... do that too. Yeah, yeah. Controls were, were tricky for sure. Uh, yeah, you really had to lean on those like U-turn moves to to turn back around and also to do like a... Uh, like a summer, whatever, like somersault, whatever it is to get people off your tail. It was it was pretty tough. Like you said, in those later levels, some of the enemies are just like glued to your tail. And sometimes you didn't know, oh, you're not supposed to be trying to take them down, but you're supposed to be like taking down the thing in the middle of the map or, or whatever. So it, it, it does get a little tricky. And same thing, you probably want an N64 controller you want to play this game yeah. so if you're trying to do this on on switch online and you don't have that 50 dollars controller that's getting scalped man with the joy cons you're in trouble yeah, yeah you're in trouble joy cons good luck with that and maybe i give this a little too much leniency but to me like the finicky controls and learning how to work with them like for me that's part of the experience like every game that we go through to review that's from an era like Super Nintendo N64, I always give myself that I'm going to suck at this real bad for the first hour or so and then eventually learn the controls. And by the end of it, it's fine. And I found that to be the case with Star Fox. Like it's it was rough that first time through that first couple of levels. But, you know, eventually it kind of clicks and then it was OK for me. And, and I think the best takeaway with this game is Super Mario 64 laid the foundation for here's platforming done right. But Star Fox, it's like it's in a league of its own where I don't think a lot of developers saw this game and said, you know what? I got to make me one of these. In many ways, it's kind of like uh, Twisted Metal. You know, that's another genre that aside from a few spinoffs and clones, it was kind of like the thing. It, you got the new Twisted Metal game because a lot of other people, you have like Vigilante 8 on the PS1 and all that. But I think it's a game that if you have too many of these in a genre, the burnout is real because it's such a specific no, a different thing. genre. I mean, the, yeah, the, that... that Brace it. Okay, I get it now. I get it now. Okay, you know what? I'll give you a high five for that. But... <laughs> I think the, the most impressive thing about Star Fox, and I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on it, is the presentation. Because it, it's like that first, the first two minutes where you have the ship, you realize the analog stick, put yourself in the shoes of somebody that just went from the D-pad on the Super Nintendo to the N64, right? And maybe this is their first time thinking, wow, I can actually steer the ship and it doesn't go like at, at five frames. But you also have incredible music and it's got very vibrant colors and I get to make some decisions and there's voice acting as well. It's, it's a carefully curated experience 
that almost should have been in a kiosk. And I assume this was in a ton of kiosks and like Toys R Us and all that. What was your takeaway with those like those first two, three minutes playing this for the first time and especially now? Honestly, this is where Star Fox kind of fell apart for me. Like I said, I overall enjoyed the experience, but that first time I went through it, I agree 100% that it's awesome hearing the music, even though I had the reference point of the original Star Fox in my mind and the music just isn't as good as that first level because it's one of the best ever. So having that, having the voice acting, having your squad there firing the enemies, it was really awesome the first time. And then we got to the first time I died and had to restart. And then it's the same voice acting. It's the same lines. It's the same, look out, Slippy, for the second, the third, the fourth time. And then I beat the game. And then I wanted to try another route. And then I realized like, oh, every route goes through these same voice acted lines for the first part of that game. Every, until you hit your first like intersection, you're experiencing the same thing. And I found that the voice acting at the end of my experience was something where I thought like, just because they could doesn't mean they should have because in Star Fox for the SNES, like they had those, and, and it's I I consider them to be iconic. Those weird mumbly voices, like the banjo kazooie voices. Yeah, the yep. banjo kazooie voices, and. I feel like it would be a lot less grating if they did that instead of voice acting on those subsequent playthroughs. And once I got to that point, it turned me off on playing more of the game totally. And it, I feel like that's the presentation 100%. I feel like without the voice acting, I would have never known to use the boost to go through, though. That's, that's the problem. Yeah, I can so see how after a while... What about the barrel rolls? Yeah, I had to go for the other one. The barrel rolls the obvious line, right? But the voice acting, I could see if you're really trying to test out like what's every route, what's every path you can take. I could see how the voice acting could get really annoying, but I think it's pretty impressive for kind of immersing you. And they do a good job of having lines for kind of every scenario where someone's like, oh, you know, get this person off my tail. So if you shoot down that ship that's chasing them, they'll thank you for it. Or if you don't, they hate you. Or if you shoot them, they get mad at you. I think they they really covered their bases, especially because you can't fit much voice acting on an N64 cartridge. We know the space was extremely limited, but this is also a much shorter game, too. So I think because it was a shorter game, they could do a little bit more with the voice acting. So I think I, I, I think they hit a good balance, honestly, but. I could see if you really were putting hours into this game, you might start turning the voice acting. If you can even adjust the volume down for that specifically, or you would just turn the whole thing down. But I would like to agree with Ryan with that, where the voice acting to me is incredibly iconic, but it is repetitive because especially towards the later stages where I just it is more Slippy challenging. I die at a point like, no, don't watch out, Slippy. It's, it's for I mean, you. It's, it's a reason it became a, me- it became a meme, right? I'm sure <laughs> it became a meme from everyone <laughs> hearing it a thousand times, right? That's why do a barrel roll is an iconic and, and it's not even And it's not even 
when you die, sometimes in some parts, like they'll keep spamming the same thing over and over to the point. Like, Slippy, I hope you die. I hope yeah. you freaking die. So you get off my back at this point. And I think it's like those little things where um, it, it's bittersweet. I think back in the day, hearing such clear voice acting was amazing, especially like it's pretty good voice acting, all things considered. Like, let's go back to 1997, okay? Not exactly a bona fide great period for voice acting in games, yet here it was great. It was just a matter of, if you do it, you got to go all the way, right? Have a couple, have alternate lines so you're not hearing literally the exact, enunciate differently, say it at a different pace, just to avoid that. And because it's a game about replay value, I do think both back then and now that is a challenge, right? It's not a game that you're meant to play one time yet. Despite that, I think the scope of the game is something I'd like to talk about where I think it did a great job of because you have to go forward. It really makes you think hard about, okay, do I want to, do I want to go below this? Or I see a ring over here, or I haven't gotten enough stuff. Like I don't have enough health. So it really makes you think about, whether you want to look up or down or if you want to destroy something like in the train tracks or one part and you got to take down a series of things, right? I think it was like eight of them. And then I can be the only person that I'll miss one. I'll get upset. I purposely destroy my ship just so I would try it again. And I think it's the matter of you want to have that perfect run. This is like the great, I feel like if the three of us knew each other back in 97 this would be the oh damn it ryan got a cleaner run than me i gotta go back home and i gotta improve and i think that's something that now is maybe not so obvious but back in the day that competitive element between between friends was definitely there like going back in time do you think that would have been something that you would have been like oh damn it i i gotta do better than you know the friend next door Oh, absolutely. Especially when that plays into the multiple paths, like having a friend go, oh my God, did you know if you do this, then Star Wolf shows up? Or if you go down one of the hard paths, you actually get a new final boss fight and having to go home, put in my cartridge of Star Fox and see that for myself. Like I imagine word on the street or word in the playground played a huge part in Star Fox's popularity. Yeah, I appreciate the kind of arcadey style because you had like the high score at the end and everything like that. So it was, it felt a little old school where a lot of games were moving towards longer adventures and moving away from that arcadey style that this was something that was embracing something a little bit different. I mean, I guess the cartridge could save because you would have scores on there, but otherwise it's not really saving anything. But I, I like that it's a little bit different because, like I said, the other other N64 games were kind of just going in a different direction. And I think Keith earlier made a good point that roguelikes are kind of the new version of that, right? The Binding of Isaac or Hades or something. That is kind of the new run-based games. And it's, it's a little bit different than Star Fox, but I think there's some of the spirit The of DNA that. is still there. Yeah. Exactly. And I think there's two other things we got to get to. The first one is let's talk about the actual characters. I think Star Fox is one of those things that even if you didn't play any of these games, because even though it did sell a lot, like when I go over here, it was number nine. It actually sold, let's go over here. It sold like four million copies. 
uh, for context, Mario Kart 64 sold 9.8 million. So we are saying it's a significant chunk, chunk of gamers that enjoyed this. But even if you didn't, there's so many iconic characters, right? There's a reason people beat something like uh, do a barrel roll to death because it was amazing to actually hear that and you do it and you get the voiceover. You have Fox, Peppy, Falco, Slippy. Like you have a cast of characters that I'm pretty sure Nintendo wanted to do something more with them and maybe it just didn't pan out because Keith mentioned Chuck E. Cheese. This is absolutely something that I, I don't even know if like, a, you know, Nintendo World in Japan, I don't know if they're going to have a Star Fox section, but these characters feel like they're made for a Disney ride or, or something, right? They could be like Nintendo's space. If they did like a Space Mountain for yeah, yeah. Nintendo, I could see it being a Star Fox ride. But I think um, Nintendo values some of their other properties more for whatever reason. Star Fox is definitely it's on been the, there. It, it's there, but it's on the lower ends. So it's the same yeah, reason like a lot it's of not people... Like hit an ice climber level but no it's, it's like definitely above that mario it's, level it's <laughs> probably like just below like metroid like metroid yeah, i was gonna say that yeah. yeah metroid doesn't get a lot of love until obviously recently metroid finally got some attention but yeah i, I put it like slightly below metroid on like nintendo's priority for some reason they really they do value donkey kong quite a bit uh it was their kind of og because they're apparently they're building like a Donkey Kong land as like the next part of the, yeah. the Nintendo mm -hmm. World theme park, which kind of surprised me, uh, mainly because I wanted the Zelda themed one, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you think about it like wrestling, I actually think it starts to make a lot more sense because you've got your top guys in Mario and Link and Donkey Kong, right? But right below them, you have those characters that you try things with. You need with, your mid-card. <laughs> yeah, you need your mid-card. And then, like, Nintendo tried to give Star Fox their time in the light with Star Fox Adventures on GameCube. Like, they gave them a full story and, like, a full, like flushed out experience and it just didn't hit the mark so you hit the delete button you tell falco to go learn a new hold somewhere and then you move on with your bit your is fox stars. like the x-pac of nintendo or something <laughs> no i think like, i think slippy there, but he's slippy never the, is main the nintendo, nintendo or slippy is the x-pac of nintendo you can put him in the ring with anybody and it'll work out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i do think it's it's a shame that when you look at Star Fox, it's it's not even like sequels because, yeah, we did get Star Fox Adventures, but we've gotten a lot of revisions on the same game from Star Fox 64 3D. I feel like Nintendo's always just said, hey, let's let's make a different version of the same game because that is also a challenge, right? When you have something like a platformer, Ryan brought up Donkey Kong Country, because it's a rail shooter as much as you change it, it's still a game about going forward. And you can get creative, but it's like, how many endless runners do you have on your phone? You have Crash, you have this and that, but essentially the, the core gameplay can't change that much because you can't stop a lot, right? And I do think at the end of the day, that's always going to be a challenge with this. And maybe why some people were kind of just fine saying, I played 64 and I, I don't need more. Yeah, that was kind of the problem was after Star Fox 64. It's like we had the Super Nintendo version. We knew it could be improved, right? Then you have Star Fox 64 and it's a great experience. It's popular. But where do you go from there? 
besides just doing the same thing but new levels right yeah and then like they tried something like new fancy graphics what can you do yeah they tried something new with Star Fox Adventures and it it had kind of a mixed review I think some people did like it I've, I've never played it but I have a copy <laughs> I haven't played it but I, I own it yeah so uh, yeah some people liked it some I think a lot of people didn't they would have preferred a, a new Star Fox game and maybe they could do something around a more of a roguelike style if they ever did want to make another one really if you think about it if they added just a ton of power-ups and randomized the levels they could probably do something around so what you're that. saying is make a mobile make a mobile game that's what you're saying no not necessarily mobile game hey i mean haze on the switch something like that you just gotta like maybe not even fully randomize the levels but Something with the enemies could, you know, the enemy, the levels could be the same, but the enemies could be randomized and you just have way more power ups and different abilities and different guns and, and things like that. I think you could make it work. That's the only direction I could see it going without it just being Star Fox 64, but better graphics and just different levels. But, and you say mobile game like it's a bad thing there, but. Is it really like what if you just had like a Star Fox mobile experience where you can take your phone, you can tilt it a bit and then play go that. through the levels that, that way. And like each of the different members of Star Fox, they play a little differently. They get different power ups and add some add some variety that way. Like, honestly, that doesn't sound yeah. like I mean, a bad Nintendo's game. Nintendo's embraced mobile games a little bit to kind of mixed they, they, they've, they've scaled back aside from like Pokemon United. Seems like their initial idea of we're going to just Mario everything. I don't think well, it hey, worked. I know the Mario Kart one added thing. Vampire Waluigi. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> so. So. <laughs> But I've never played it. So something I, I do want to take us back to is I brought this up at the uh, during the intro, which is replay value and, and length of time. Just like using this as an example. Hypothetically, we have two scenarios with this game. This game is planet based. And then depending on your decision, it, it changes. Some people like I, I was doing some research said they would have preferred maybe less planets, but each one be more of an experience right? With like different phases or something, maybe increasing the play time, but we got what we, what we got, right? Whether it be limitations or something. Do you like the fact that this game is short? It's multiple planet based. You're not saying that you're going to be in each planet 10 to 30 minutes, right? They're usually pretty short experiences, regardless of your, re of your gameplay abilities, unless you die. It's like, where do you stand on this? Do you think this type of game, uh, this type of game doesn't just work then, can maybe also work now? Or would you like maybe, I'm not going to say padding it out, but prolonging the time in each planet? For how it's built now, I, I like how it is. I wouldn't change it. Like I said, if, if you were to make a new Star Fox, I kind of went over how I would approach that. But for Star Fox 64, I think the way that they did it, where each planet is just one level, it, they don't outstay their welcome. I, I like how that's designed. I'm I'm going to kind of move the quality and price of Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack to the side on this conversation because that's up for you. Uh, that's up to you to decide. But it 
you think about what kind of game they should have on there, I think Star Fox 64 is a perfect thing to be on there these days. Like, it's something that you can check out, play once, get your fill. The ultimate pick up and play. Yep. Exactly. Game. You can pick it up and play, and then in a couple months, you can be like, or a couple weeks, you can be like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to try another route in Star Fox. I'm going to try this and go through another route, be good with it, and then maybe try it again as long as you have your subscription. Like, Star Fox is a great value for that service today, which is where I think it should live. Absolutely. I really do agree with that, and one annoying thing, wish- sorry to interrupt, but one annoying thing I would say is because it is this on-rails, always moving game, and if you are aiming for a specific path and you somehow miss that objective, that can be very frustrating because you have to restart. It's not like something where you can, oh, I missed it, I can go back and get it. If you miss it, that's GG. But that's kind of the beauty about um, what we're talking in today's time frame of having it on Switch Online is you can do the rewind feature on it. So you miss your shot. You can go back a minute or two and try and get it again. Yeah, that, that, that in, is Back the in thing. the day, that would have sucked because you'd probably have to hit reset and start the whole thing again. But I mean, you look at something like Grand Theft Auto now, you know, with the new definitive trilogy, and that is the feature, right? Where we've talked about this, and for context, like we've talked about GTA 3, Vice City, that's all available right here in the archives. And with those games, if you failed the mission, you had to like go all the way back and get the mission over again. And that is a feature. And I think the more we go back, especially to like the 90s, mid 2000s, that was the thing. Like, If we were to calculate just how much time we lost of just failing a mission, walking back and starting over, that that that, that's a scary number. If you were to start, even if you save in GTA, even if you like saved before a mission and reloaded, you still have to go travel to the mission. But a lot of times, I would do that because in case you died and lost your guns, whatever, you can just reload, get that all back. So. In the previous episode, we talked about the legacy of the console itself. I think part of the reason that we chose this game is that Super Mario, you know, there's Smash, there's a lot of games in the grand scheme of the N64 that are important. We wanted to at least focus on one game that came out within the first 12 months. That's not Super Mario 64. So the question was, it's like, what is the lasting piece? What is that legacy? What is... Star Fox 64 in the context of the N64 for you guys? For me, it's Nintendo's commitment to out-of-the-box ideas, right? Like Star Fox is an example of them trying something that's a little out there, a little crazy, and it's succeeding and giving them to con- giving them the confidence to do more insane things as time went on. So that's where you inevitably got to your failures like the Hey You Pikachu. But if Star Fox wasn't a, a success at all, then you wouldn't like Nintendo would have just played it uh like played it safe the entire time. So to me, the the weird things like I I imagine there's some a string of events you can connect together that leads the original Star Fox at uh, on the SNES to the heart rate monitor for the Wii, <laughs> like just Nintendo's crazy ideas. So to me, that's Star Fox. Well, yeah, we missed the Rumble Pack, right? This was kind of the the game right, that yeah. really true. set forth the rumble pack which rumble i don't know 
if Nintendo was first to market with the whole rumble effect, but that's certainly become a, a staple in games. But to go on to the legacy with Star Fox, I mean, Star Fox 64 is the pinnacle of the series. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But sadly, kind of at the end of the day, Fox, Falco, these characters are probably more remembered as Smash Brothers characters than anything else. Yeah. I mean, no question. Fox, no. no weapons, Final Destination only. I mean, it's this is uh this is what their memory melee really is what they are remembered for. Of course, they're also in all the other the Smash Brothers games, but melee is still kind of the de facto competitive smash brothers but yeah because they were good smash brothers characters people know them more for that like the music when i think of the music of star fox 64 i more think of either smash brothers 64 or melee you gotta think about how many people got the nintendo switch online service and they said oh look a game from the guy in smash not oh fox had its own game and he's in smash i guarantee you like the overwhelming majority kind of like pit i mean i thought pit was a smash character right because i really wasn't too much into those games growing up so it, that, that's like a very interesting conversation where if you take smash characters and you ask like which came first the chicken or the egg for a lot of people is they're a smash character first everything else second yeah exactly like someone a character like ness i had never heard of earthbound yeah but smash brothers same with captain falcon i honestly didn't know what f-zero was until yeah uh, same here till smash 64 and of course, that the whole reason we basically have Fire Emblem in the in the North America is because of <laughs> Melee. It's Smash Brothers does a great job of introducing people to series that were maybe kind of under the radar, and then help them succeed. So there's a chance that, although I think a lot of people were aware of Star Fox 64, that Smash 64 might have helped people get into the Star Fox series. So absolutely. And uh with that, this has been part of our discussion with Star Fox 64. We really would love to know just what does everybody think about this game? It's so relevant now. Uh as Keith said, there's a, a big debate about the price of the Nintendo Switch online service. It's 80 bucks for the family plan and I believe that includes five people. So that's a little bit better if you have some people that fork over, right? You do split that in, into a few people, but uh, we really would love to get the conversation going on the Discord. So if you're checking this out on Spotify, everything else, that right there is in the uh, description. And guys, we 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 did it. This is the first series, Nintendo 64. How, how are you guys feeling? We, we, we made it happen. We completed our quest. The quest has been completed. The is where, where's the reward? Where's the, where's the loot box? Did we level up? Ooh. Shake the thing. Shake the thing. <laughs> I dinged. I dinged. Yeah. Grats. GZ. So how, 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 are we feeling, how are we feeling about year one and 64? If the question was like, if, if hypothetically, if you were if you were to visit the N64 again in a future series, is there a year, is there a genre or something that comes to mind for you guys? Platformers. 3D platformers. That would be a thing. I mean, that'd be, you got Banjo, you got that crappy ass Donkey Kong game, you got Mario. <laughs> Clover. Oh, oh <laughs> Clover, true. You know what? I could totally go in for like a C tier platformer. All those good games, some we Glover. Do none oh, of yeah. that. Get some Glover. You know, kind of there. to expand on that, I think it would be fun to like 
go through the N64 games that time forgot because for every Super Mario Ooh. 64 you get a Glover you get your 3D Tetrises of the world you get your battle tanks and your Hexens like those N64 games that just aren't like the B tier games <laughs> and just going through some of those I think that would be a lot of fun because they have in my your opinion South Park game like oh, yeah. wow that's south park, south park game i played that, that multiplayer and brutally difficult that game oh, yeah. was so, so i actually difficult. think the final boss of that game is unbeatable uh, yeah. in the he just goes and heals himself game. every time it's co- total bs but <laughs> i was using all the cheats and i still couldn't beat him <laughs> i know wow See, that i spent back. like 45 minutes on it it was awful i threw as many piss snowballs as i could at him and he just <laughs> wouldn't go down so, so I think needless to say, we're definitely excited about doing that in the future. So for those uh, watching or listening, please let us like suggest Forgotten, the non-obvious. You guys said South Park. That's a game I played a lot. And I haven't thought about that in whew, like over 15 years. So. I think we brought that one enough that we know we got to talk about that one eventually. So Quest Rewind on Twitter. And then we also have the Discord. And look, we said this is a series. So that means that there will be a pause and maybe for a couple of weeks, uh, give or take, as we prepare the next one. And I would love to give the forum to Mr. Ryan McNulty for series two, man. What, what what are we possibly talking about here? Series two. We may even, maybe we call it series or X. This, actually, <laughs> hey, before, before, oh, oh. Okay, but before Keith corrects us, what will the next quest be about? There we go. There Branding. we go. There yes. you go. Okay. You're so the next it. You're learning quest it. is going to be about a system that a lot of people were quite fond of in the mid-2000s, and that is going to be the Xbox 360. We got the Red Rings, we got the Bioshocks, we've got the Gears of War, plenty of things to talk about with the Xbox 360, a system I played a decent amount of, but actually never owned. So I'm excited to get a little more into it, maybe learn some things that I didn't know about the system. Hey, Keith, you were the advocate for this, so talk to me. Yeah, one of my favorite consoles ever. This was the time where I was probably at my peak of video game fandom and like starting to, you know, not just be a connoisseur, but learn about the video game industry and that kind of stuff. Like this is one of my, like my highest points in video game fandom. It's probably one of my favorite consoles of all time. So I'm, I'm excited to go through some of the, uh, some of the milestones of the, um, of the Xbox 360 and then, Ooh, that that final boss at the end of our quest boy am i excited for that one we're gonna it's good we got a doozy waiting at the end there yeah without without spoiling the game if you go back to the archives before we, we got a name change there may be a game there with a possible sequel that may we we may be talking about there are just rumors though but with that being said we will catch everybody in a couple of weeks after this is as uh has gone live We're going to be talking about board games, people. So head over to the Discord. That is where we will catch up and talking about catching up. And with this, we will uh, end this with a nice little bow. 
please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like the the best way to support what we are doing. Yeah, the five stars are super important and all that. This is this is for the hardcore Quest Rewind audience with a whopping five episodes that we've done so far, right? But seriously, like we post a lot of clips by by we Ryan posts a lot of clips on the YouTube channel. Very angry thumbnails. I want damn near punch myself. Very <laughs> aggressive. Ryan, why, why are you so aggressive, man? Why you gotta you get so those aggressive? clicks, man. You gotta get the clicks. Yeah, you need to know why the N64 did this? <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to see what the hell we're talking about, youtube.com slash quest rewind. And with that being said, warm hugs. N64, we'll catch you on the next one with quest rewind. Man, th this had more endings than the Return of the King, I swear to God. <laughs> of course, of course it had to. It's the end. And now we're ending. Now, this is the end now. <laughs>